We have two readings this morning. The first is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And our second reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is the word of God. Great to be back with you again, and uh, great to be back in the space in the service where we open God's Word to hear what He has to say to us. So, if you again, if you're joining us this morning, we over the past several weeks have been looking at our various vision scenarios, uh, which, if you boil them down, relate to loving God and loving people, and uh, and we're in the loving people sort of stage of that at the moment. And today, in particular, we're talking about our vision scenario around outreach. And our overarching vision statement is that we would grow Christ-centered disciples who share the gospel through word and deed, who share the gospel through word and deed, the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ, of God's plan of salvation right from the very beginning of time. And we share the gospel in the model and way of Jesus. So Jesus was a person of word and deed, Jesus called people to repentance and faith. He spoke frequently about his Father. He spoke frequently about the kingdom of God. Jesus used words. But Jesus also used deeds. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He fed people. He served people. And so we see that the ministry of Jesus when it comes to the gospel is a ministry of both word and and deed. And so our heart uh, as a church for you, the people, and for me, for all of us here, would be that as we mature 
as disciples, as disciples whose lives are centered on the person, the King, the Lord, Jesus Christ, that we in his model would share the good news of salvation, the good news of eternal life, the good news of redemption, the good news that there is a God who is completely in control of this world, who always has been, who always will be, who loves us, who cares for each person, who knows them by name and has a plan for them and desires that none should perish. It is our desire that we would be those who take that wonderful message with our words and with our deeds as we seek to serve our community and be a light in the dark place. That's the vision, that's the heart for this particular aspect of our vision scenario. And I'm so pleased to have Belinda with us here today, and I trust that this will be a really energising day for us as God's people as we consider this most important part of who we are. In Acts 1.8, Jesus commissions his disciples, his followers, to be his witnesses locally, regionally, nationally, and globally, much like the Matthew 28 um, commission that uh, Belinda shared, the plan A. And what Jesus effectively does in this moment is he passes the baton on. The plan has always been that the gospel would be presented to people through word and deed, and Jesus began that, and then he passes the baton on for his followers to keep that work going. This morning, I'm going to focus a little bit more on the words rather than the deed, um, primarily because I think the words part is probably what we struggle with a little more. Um, I know personally, doing acts of service and doing uh, acts of justice and love and generosity, are they come a little bit easier than actually speaking the words. That's a little bit harder. Next Sunday, we're going to particularly talk about justice, and that's very much a a deed-orientated aspect of our vision. But let's just talk a little bit, let's zero in a little bit, particularly today, on the words that we use. You know, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is really core and central to who we are as God's people. It always has been. God called his people out of Egypt. He called them, he set them apart to be a witness, to be a light to the nations. It's always been God's intention and plan that his people would, would, would be different, that they would be holy, that they would be set apart, that others would be able to look at God's people and say, hey, wow, there's something uniquely different about you. Uh, and then we get the opportunity to speak. Now, often the thing that makes us uniquely different is our deeds. <laughs> and so the two just continue to go hand in hand. Um, but when, when that opportunity does arise, what do we say? How do we speak? So let's talk a little bit about our words. I don't think any of us here would deny the biblical imperative of, of being Uh, voice pieces for God, of sharing the good news of Jesus, of witnessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think many of us find it difficult. Uh, Many of us would prefer to sort of leave that aspect of the gospel to those who are in full-time ministry or in paid positions a little bit like Belinda. Um, The National Church Life Survey that we took part of uh, in late 2016 indicated that that 13% of people in this particular congregation um, feel comfortable about sharing their faith. That's a, a large percentage of us find this aspect of our faith difficult. And we're not alone. 
We're not alone. Um, the, I think Belinda said it beautifully. God's plan is always that his people, people to people, people to people. Um, God's plan is that we would be witnesses uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible does make a clear distinction, as I highlighted earlier, between an evangelist and a witness. Um, sometimes we feel as though evangelism, evangelism is a scary word and uh, we, we, we'd rather not talk about it. We'd rather not be kind of um, compelled to be evangelists. Although some of the greatest evangelists I've met haven't been Christians. Um, it's not necessarily a Christian word. An evangelist is someone who has good news to tell. <laughs> Have you ever met a salesperson, for example, who clearly is very passionate about their product and they just tell you and in a sense sell you on their product. That's an evangelist. They believe that the particular product they have is something that can be good for your life. And you'll come across really inauthentic evangelists and you'll come across authentic ones who you go, yep, this person really believes it. And, and it, it can actually do something to you. Um, they can take you on a journey and I've, I've experienced that myself. Um, but some people get freaked out with the word evangelism and, and the word witness probably sits a little bit more comfortably and that's okay because that's actually what the majority of us are called to be, witnesses. Now, when it comes to being a witness, in order to be a witness, you do, again, need to use words. And so we're back to the whole word dilemma. <laughs> Many of us would rather do than speak. Um, so how do we become a little bit more confident, a little bit more natural in using our words to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I've found in my life that the best of intentions generally don't get me anywhere unless they lead to something. You can have all the good intentions in the world, but if you don't do something with those intentions, you don't ever move. Uh, and I want to say that when it comes to sharing faith, I personally find that the next step from good intentions is training, is to actually spend some time learning strategies, uh, being encouraged, spending time in prayer, opening God's word, kind of workshopping, and coming away from those times feeling a little bit more equipped, feeling a little bit more like, I can do this. That's been my experience. When I've engaged in workshops around sharing faith, the end result has been I do feel more equipped and I am more open and I am looking for opportunities. And so again, can I please highlight to you the free opportunity you have to take part in a workshop today. Uh, we've got Belinda here. Lunch will be provided. And if you haven't yet signed up, we can, we can I'm sure if we need to, if everyone ends up going, yeah, I'm going to stick around, um, We'll, we'll make more food happen, that's fine. But I just implore for you to consider being part of this great time together. Um, I, I also know, and I, I'm really praying, that today could be an opportunity for our church to raise the temperature of evangelism in the life of our church. That, that we, we really put this as a real priority, that this is something we don't just talk about. And I know, I'm, I'm so aware this week as I'm preparing, that this is one of those things that it's kind of easy to talk about, but it's so hard to do. And I, I, I put myself in that, in that boat, uh, but I just would love to think that today God might work among us 
to raise that temperature that we might each feel a little bit more equipped to share, to use our words to tell others about this wonderful gospel that we have in Christ. I want you to think back, reflect back to your earlier years as a believer. Think back to when you first came to faith. You know, you might have grown up like myself in a Christian family and, and you, you kind of always had a knowledge of God and accepted it. But think back to that time when you first really put your faith in Christ. Started to experience the power of the gospel for yourself. What were those years, what were those times like for you? Uh, for me, it was a time of great passion and, and great enthusiasm. I um, kind of came to the Lord. Now, as I said, I grew up in a Christian family. Never sort of, there was never a time in my life when I didn't know the Lord. But in year six, I had a fabulous scripture teacher who it was just, she was one of my friend's mums. And, uh, and she, just, she just loved Jesus, and she had such a heart and a passion for him. And just having this lady come in to my classroom who was totally out of my context. She didn't go to my church. She wasn't related. She wasn't family, and she just loved Jesus. For me, it was kind of like the, um, it was the, the deal sealer because it was like there's somebody else. There's lots of other people who believe this stuff, and it's clearly true for you. And that just really ministered to me. So she, she kind of gave me, she obviously saw that I was responsive. She gave me a, a little devotional that I started to do in the mornings. And um, that, that began my journey. And I was baptized when I was 13 and in year seven. And I remember at that time, um, moving to the new school for year seven, and there was a girl who I really liked. Um, but she wasn't a Christian. And so here I am, this enthusiastic, keen little evangelist. I thought, well, if I can convert her, then I can ask her out. So I, um, and being new to my faith, having kind of the, the devotion that I was given from my scripture teacher was the ABC of Christianity. And so I basically wrote this girl what would have been a several page uh, essay on the ABCs of Christianity, offering to, to pray the sinner's prayer with her and lead her to faith, uh, all with this expectation that, you know, she was going to come to Jesus and then I could ask her out. Well, obviously, the letter went down like a lead balloon and, uh, and she never spoke to me again. Another attempt, another attempt that I had was um, at the time I was listening to Petra music and I saved up some pocket money and bought a few of my mates Petra tapes thinking that, you know, look, if they listen to this music, that's going to seal the deal and they're going to see the light and come to Christ. Well, I did give them the tapes. They did still talk to me, but uh, they didn't come to faith, at least to my knowledge to this day. Another season in my life was when God was sort of freshly calling me into pastoral ministry. And it was back in 2005. I was still working full-time at GE Money. And I signed up for my very first distance subject through Morling College. It was Principles of Evangelism with Mike Frost. And my intention was to sort of slowly just continue working and saving and uh, just plugging away one subject per semester. Well, this subject let me tell you, um, was the end of me because I loved it so much and I, I had such a passion to want to tell others about Jesus. Um, and I was studying, reading on my lunch break and then kind of surrounded by non-believers and, and having opportunities to tell them about, about faith and about my sense of calling. And, and I quit after that semester and, and started full-time. 
um, because I just felt so strongly about the call. I was really fortunate. I was actually able to end, end up staying on as a casual for a few more years. And uh, that was great because it meant that I continued in those relationships. But these, for me, uh, were two particular times of, uh, of great enthusiasm and wanting to share my faith. Now, 2005, I've told you, is the last story. And we're in 2017 now. Um, 2018, aren't we? But but here's my point, and you'll get this. You'll get this. Isn't it true that for many of us, our faith journey, we start out full of passion and enthusiasm, wanting to tell others about just how good this news is. And then as we journey along as Christians... Many of those non-Christian friendships and connections that we have after time either fall away, we lose contact with, and the majority of our relational time is invested into friendships with those in the church. And, And it can eventually come to the point where we kind of end up over here and we actually have no one left in our circle of influence who who doesn't know Jesus. And our greatest concern in this space, because we no longer, we're no longer surrounded by people who don't know God, it's, we know these people exist, but they're hypothetical in our world. Because we're over here, and all of our friends are Christians, and our faith is primarily expressed through church, through church-based activities, our greatest concern becomes the Sunday service. And, and whether it kind of lives up to our standard or expectation. Now, our greatest concern becomes all of the ministries of the church and, and whether they're good enough or not, whether we like them, and so on and so forth. And we become so consumed with all of this that we forget that there's a whole world of lost people. There's a whole world of people out there who right at this very moment could not care less about what's happening in this church service right now. Please hear me. I'm all for giving good attention to what we do here. Absolutely. I want our church services more than anyone else to be wonderful times of worship and praise and inspiration so we can go out and serve the Lord. But I do want to caution us, myself included, that let's just lay some of this down, the intensity of having to kind of get all this right and for it to be this perfect picture package and maybe try and give more attention and focus to people. (laughs) What we're talking about here is people and people. It's what Belinda said. It's people and people, my friends. It's not programs And people, it's people and people. Programs are great and they can facilitate people and people. Uh, Mainly music is, is a great outreach tool that Lisa shared in the service. But its only use is if it connects people to people. People to people. In a sense, there's something freeing about that. Because we can all do people to people. That's always been God's plan. So I invite us as a church to just hold more loosely to the things that we do on Sunday and the things that we do as believers, as good and as important as those are, please hear me, but maybe let's hold a little tighter and put a little bit more emphasis on people 
to people. I've been praying. I've got lots to share this morning. I'm not going to share it all. Um, I've been really praying that God would just lead me to share with you what's on his heart for us today. And I'm going to finish shortly because I, I really feel we're pressing into the space that God has for us. Um, and the rest of the stuff, you can, you can email me for notes or you can come along to the workshop and I'm sure you'll get all the good stuff anyway. Um, I was going to talk about uh, what is evangelism? What is evangelism? How do we go about sharing? Um, how do we go about sharing? Uh, and the, the thing that kind of on top of all of that is why. So it was why, what, and how. Why, what, and how. I just want to talk about the why. Talk about the why. Why, what, and how. Why would we share the gospel? Why would we do it? If you're a person who is saved, you're in God's kingdom, you know that your salvation is secure, why would you put yourself out there and share? Now, here's a few reasons why, and all of them are so grounded in God's word. One of the difficulties of this morning's talk is, I mean, the scripture is just saturated with this stuff. It's so difficult to try and find any kind of anchor point um, to land in, which is, for, for me, a much more comfortable place to preach in, because we can just really sink our teeth into a particular passage in scripture, and I love doing that. But with this topical sermon, there's endless passages to choose from. Why would we share the gospel? And here's some passages, and I don't need the iPad for this, because these, these passages are just, they're right here. So why would we share the gospel? Well, 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 and 2 Peter 3-9 to are all about God's heart and desire that none would perish, that all would come to know the truth of Jesus Christ, that none would perish. And John 3, 3.16 talks about God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever, that whoever... And so the first reason why we share the gospel is because God's heart is that no one would perish, is that no one would be eternally separated from him. His heart is that all would come to a saving knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. And he has made a way for all people to come to him. Because Jesus died, the invitation is open to all people. That's what John 3.16 tells us. So one of the first reasons why we would share the gospel is we would be tapping into the heart of God, and that is that none should perish. Luke 15.1-7 is the parable of the shepherd who leaves behind the 99 and goes in search of the one. God's heart is for the one. And we are surrounded by many ones, aren't we? We're surrounded by them, so many ones. God's heart is that none should perish. 
And we see in this parable where the shepherd lays down the 99 who are already saved, who are already righteous. They're over here. He he leaves these guys because they're home and hosed. It's important that they continue to be nurtured and, and empowered, but they're saved. And so he goes out to this place. And what this tells us is that lost people matter to God. And the scripture tells us that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one, over one sinner who repents. Oftentimes I think great things happen over here and we think, wow, heaven must be rejoicing. And again, hear me, it, it does. But nothing like when one over here repents and comes to faith. Imagine if we could be a church of 99 who went, let's invest, let's focus our energies on, on the one. And for each one of us, there's a one, isn't there? I just invite you to pray and to ask God, God, who's the one? Who's the one that you have for me? Who's the one that you're calling me to pursue with your love in my prayer life and uh, in the way I prioritize my time? And I'll be the first to say, if you need to let something go here to go and be with the one, you got my permission 100%. 100%. That's where we need to be. Luke 15, 1, 7. Lost people matter to God, and therefore they, they need to matter to us. Mark 2, 13 to 17. Jesus has called Levi to follow him. He's at Levi's house eating with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees accuse Jesus. You know, why are you eating with these people? Jesus says, I've come for the sick. I've come to call sinners. The righteous are saved. I've come for the sick. Jesus came for those who were lost. Jesus came for those who had not yet heard the gospel and had not yet given their lives to him. The Ephesians 4.13 speaks about maturity in Christ. That, in a sense, the goal of the Christian life is to become increasingly mature, increasingly Christ-like. Now, the more we invest in the one and the more we give ourselves to sharing our faith, the more Christ-like we become. Because we're actually doing what Jesus modelled. I don't want it to hear as if I'm in any way denying the importance and the value of the 99. I'm a pastor of the 99. I've given my life to this and I'll continue to. But I want to be a pastor who journeys with you to say, let's bring all the goodness that we have and share it. Let's do it together, because I'm with you in this. 
I'm no expert. Uh, it's 2005, right, is my last story of kind of, uh, I sense God is leading me into a new season, which I'm very excited about. And I trust that for many of you, we could take that journey of entering into a new season, of not living out of past experiences, but living in our current experience, that our current experience might be a a season of passion and devotion to sharing with others. And of course, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Why would we share the gospel? Well, as an act of obedience, This is what Jesus told us to do. And if he is truly Lord, in every sense of that word, then that's enough. (laughs) For Jesus to be Lord means that he calls the shots. We don't get to pick and choose. And so if Jesus is Lord of your life, then being obedient to his call is paramount. Why would we share the gospel? Lost people matter to God. God's heart is that none would perish. Why would we share the gospel? Because Jesus tells a story of a shepherd who leaves 99 to go after one. And in doing so, is he not modeling what we, as those who have been saved, are to do? Why would we share the gospel? Because when we are saved... Our role then becomes about being amongst those who are sick, sharing the righteousness of God with them. Why would we share the gospel? Because the goal of the Christian is to mature in faith. And the more Christ-like we become, the more we'll share him with others. Why would we share the gospel? Because we want to be obedient to our Lord and do what he told us to do. So much more I could share with you this morning, but I'm going to leave it there. And uh, we didn't even get near the the Corinthians passage, which is just a cracker. But we'll have to leave that for another time. Um, Let me pray for you. And then we might actually, we might finish up. Um, We're going to have opportunity for morning tea. And I know that so many of you are so eager to want to be part of this workshop. So that is going to be great. So let's um, have a time of prayer now. And... Let's really call upon the Spirit of God to do something significant in our hearts. We'll then have a break and we'll come back to our workshop. How does that sound? Let's pray. I'm going to get down on my knees because we can't do this without God's help and God's Spirit. If you'd like to join me where you are, you're very welcome to. Let's pray. Lord, we come here this morning, not all, but many of us are so incredibly privileged to be called sons and daughters of God. We're so privileged to not be an unreached people group. We've been in the fortunate position where someone has been able to tell us about the gospel, about Jesus Christ, about what it is to be reconciled to God. And Lord, sometimes we acknowledge that 
the more privileged we become, the easier it becomes for us to kind of take that for granted. And so, Lord, I sit here with my brothers and sisters acknowledging how easy it is to take for granted salvation and the good news of Jesus Christ. And I sit here with my brothers and sisters recognizing how easy it is to become so focused on all of the things that we do in the church with the best of motives and intentions. And oftentimes they do great things, building your people up, seeking to draw others to you. But we recognize, Lord, from the parable of the shepherd that the model is not to wait for the one to come and join the 99, but it actually involves each one of us going to find the one. I want to pray, Lord, that you might, by your Holy Spirit, impress upon each of our hearts one person. And by your Spirit, I pray that even now in this moment, you might bring a name to our mind, to our heart. A person, Lord, that you would have us pray for. A person that you would have us share your love and witness your goodness through both words and deeds too. And I pray, God, that we might be a community that does this together, that encourages one another, that spurs one another on, and that can join with the wonderful celebrations that happen in heaven when one person turns to you. Well, thank you for what Belinda shared earlier and that wonderful reminder that all authority belongs to you, that you are Lord, that this is your plan, that we go not in our own strength or wisdom, but we go empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you might fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us to be your witnesses, that we may be part of the answer to your prayer that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, whether physically or metaphorically, we are on our knees. This is not about us. It's about you. May we be a church and may we be a people who on our knees uphold you, Jesus, as Lord. And may we live Lives that cause people to ask questions that allow us opportunities to share how wonderful you are, Lord. We humbly ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning. God be with you and God bless you. I'd love to see many of you stay for our workshop shortly after morning tea.